Well, we are prepared for one very spoopy episode today. We're going to do... This happened with both of my classes today, where I just started talking, and they're like a caravan of trucks and motorcycles. Anyway, (laughs) Uh, I guess I should introduce the show first. Welcome to Are You Serious? A Journey Through Bad Reddit Relationships. I am Morgan. I'm Esme, and this is episode 32. Yes. I'll cut and paste. <laughs> this is episode 31, but I'll I'll cut and paste to that so that Right. <laughs> Absolutely. This is episode 31. Yes. Masquerading is episode th- no. This is episode 32. Masquerading is episode 31. Yes. We <laughs> realized that we wanted to do a Halloween episode, so we're going to record two this Hooray. week and then so yeah, we we don't have I mean, I guess you could glean some relationship advice from these posts. For definite. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely 100% yes. Yes. I I haven't read any of them. (laughs) If you're... And I also... I have a chaser, too. Because I literally was reading this last story I'm going to read in my apartment yesterday at 2.30 in the afternoon. And I was still, like, looking over my shoulder because the door to the apartment (laughs) is behind my desk. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to be swooped on it. (laughs) please don't spook me it is also again just to clear still 2 30 in the afternoon just the next day so (sighs) we'll we'll be fine i got my um emotional support evie oh well that's smart that i'm hugging i have a pencil case (laughs) (laughs) i also have a rum and ginger ale which oh i don't know if that's a real drink or if that's trashy or not but i was like we call that a it's a mule. It's a rum mule, isn't it? Sure. It tastes pretty good. Oh no, it's a dark and stormy. A rum rum and ginger ale is a dark and stormy oh, if you great. put some lime in it. So there you go. That oh, is I did the appropriately named cocktail. <laughs> awesome. That makes me feel validated because There you go. Uh my boyfriend in college was like he yelled at me one time. Not yelled, but you know, berated me one time for putting vodka in Diet Coke. That's a thing. Yeah, because he said you're not supposed to mix light liquor with dark mixer and i'm like that's not a thing shut up tell that to the entire bar industry (laughs) (laughs) yeah i don't even know i think he just he he had issues so he liked to neg me and that's why we are not together anymore (laughs) fair see you said there wasn't gonna be any relationship you guys but there we got some and i feel like ginger is very autumn-y i don't know why yeah it is no so i have three stories today this um, this first one is a very classic one, and I'm looking at these. No sleep is the like scary place, the scary subreddit. While you're there, you're supposed to like suspend your disbelief, pretend that everything is real. And I used to skim this forum or subreddit in college, and so all of the posts I found are from like nine and ten years ago. And I'm like, no, that wasn't nine years ago. No. But this is like one of the posts that got no sleep on the map. So it's it's the Stinson Beach post, if you that rings a bell for you guys. But the actual title is, I found a videotape on the beach a few weeks ago. <laughs> and his username is Haunted Tape, which I find funny. A few details before I start my story. 
I live in Northern California in a small townhouse with my girlfriend. I've decided to change the names of both people and places just to be cautious. I don't want anyone going out to the beach I was trying to dig up clues at and instead find trouble that I found. I'm sorry this is so long. I've tried to keep it as brief as possible. You have to understand that I've barely slept at all in days, and it's difficult for me to keep my thoughts in order. So this is a little bit long. That's why I only picked three three posts for this week. So interrupt me at any time. Okay. So it's like a diary um, kind of format. Right. Saturday, March 26th. John and I found the camcorder half buried in the sand on Stinson Beach. When I picked it up out of the sand, water leaked out from the inside of the camcorder. Sand was packed into every crevice, and the battery pack was missing. We dried it off with a beach towel and popped the cassette drive open, and there was a digital cassette cartridge inside the drive. It had a yellow plastic head and a Panasonic logo, but no label or sticker attached. It seemed like the camcorder itself was pretty much trash, but we figured out it might still be possible to recover the data on the tape itself. I had an older Sony digital camcorder at home that used the same type of tape. I took the tape and camcorder inside with me when John dropped me off at home later that day. I set it down on my computer desk and forgot about it for almost a week. Do we have younger listeners that we should- I was going to say, kids, <laughs> camcorder. <laughs> you know, a VHS tape, it, you would pop one of those bad boys in there. Sometimes they were smaller. It sounds like this one's a little smaller. And uh, you'd have to record. like. I honestly think we are beyond the point of kids knowing what a VHS tape looks like. Google it, children. <laughs> This was nine yes. years ago, before so all of you were born. <laughs> is like a handheld device just for f- recording film. Yes, you can't take pictures. I mean, you can, but the picture quality is really bad. You have to—it's only video, right? You might see one in like a vintage movie from the nineties. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> Thursday, March thirty-first. John came over again next Thursday and saw it on my desk. I told him I had forgotten about it and hadn't even tried to play back the tape yet. We popped it into my Sony camcorder and hooked it up to my PC's FireWire port. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Opened up Roxio's video capture application and told it to scan what? the tape for footage. It's so dated. Only one scene appeared on the screen. I will describe it to you as best I can recall. Colon. A few feet in front of the camera is a woman. Her back is to the camera and she is walking down a narrow dirt path, possibly even a deer trail. Tall, dry grass and small bushes line either side of the path. Based on the lighting, it is most likely sometime in the early morning or evening. The sky is cloudless and tinged with a soft orange color. Other than the shuffle of footsteps, the only thing that can be heard is seagulls crying and the soft sound of ocean waves breaking against the shore in the distance. She is wearing what used to be a one-piece swimsuit. The top half has been ripped or cut apart and now hangs down off her hips. She is naked from the waist up. Dozens of ugly red welts and cuts cross her back. It looks like she has been whipped or badly beaten with a stick. A length of thin rope, more like twine, has been used to bind her hands behind her back. The twine is wound so tightly against her wrists that you can see her hands have begun to turn a shade of blue from lack of circulation. The twine is cutting into her skin and small rivulets of blood have run down her hands and fingers, dripping onto the dirt trail behind her. During the course of the scene, she only takes a few dozen steps. The clip is only 30 seconds long. Right before the clip ends, a man's voice can be heard. Are you filming? You better not be filming yet. I told you to wait until we get inside. And then the clip ends. Both John and I were unsettled by that one short scene on the tape. It seemed authentic. Someone's home video gone horribly wrong. I tried to copy the clip to my computer, but every time we played the file back, it was just a mess of scrambled green lines with no audio. John took the tape with him when he went home later that evening. He wanted to try to use his MacBook and parents' camcorder to see if he was able to recover the clip onto his computer. 
He said maybe it was just a problem with my firewire cable. It was the last time I ever saw him. I feel like the <laughs> it's a little undercut by the uh, technical aspect. A firewire cable. Jesus Christ. Friday, April 1st. At this point, I can't think of any unusual happenings. A normal Friday workday, no different from dozens of other Fridays before it. I called John to ask about the tape, but he said he hadn't had time to look at the tape again, but he was going to stop by his parents' house after work and borrow their camcorder for the weekend. Sunday, April 3rd, John calls me. It was in the evening sometime after 7, I think. He sounds excited and tells me he was able to get the clip to save onto his MacBook. The video plays, but the sound is missing. I tell him to upload the video online, but he wants more time to try and get the audio working too. Wednesday, April 6th. Unable to get a hold of John for two days. Calls are going straight to voicemail. Finally, he calls me on Wednesday just as I'm getting ready to leave work and head home. I don't think I noticed it at the time, but looking back on events, his voice sounded odd. There was almost no inflection to his speech. It was flat and emotionless. I thought he was calling about the tape, but when I asked, he told me it wasn't important anymore. He said he had found something, and we need to go back to the beach. It takes almost two hours to drive out to Stinson from my house, and I told him there was no way I was able to get there on a weeknight after work. And even if I could, it would be nearly dark by the time we got there. For some reason, this seemed to make him angry. I promised I'd go on Saturday with him, but this wasn't good enough. He said he needed to go that night, that there was something very important. He kept saying he had something to show me. I asked what, but he said I had to see it for myself. Finally, he called me a stubborn asshole and hung up. <laughs> no sleep. It's so hard to find posts that are just one, because like right after this post, it started just being series and series and series. So there would be like 15 parts to a series. Right. And uh, this is one of the few. I, it has kind of sequels, but it's kind of like Saw in that it, <laughs> it is standalone. It's not like you need to read all of them. All right. Thursday, April 7th. John won't answer my calls. His voicemail says his inbox is full and won't accept any new messages. Friday, April 8th. When I got up to take a shower in the morning, there's a small amount of wet sand spread out on the bottom of the tub. I think that maybe Sarah has now only gotten to rinsing her bathing suit out from the time we were at the beach two weeks ago, although I don't see her suit hanging up to dry anywhere in the bathroom. It's mildly puzzling, but I forget about it as soon as I leave for work. Only now do I realize that it was the start of the strange occurrences that are about to drive me to the frantic state I am in today. Later at work, my phone chimes, indicating that I have a voicemail. I haven't noticed the phone ringing, but this isn't entirely unusual, as I don't have the best reception inside the office. It's certainly not the first time this has happened. I dial into my voicemail, and it's a message from John. He sounds calm again, no hint of his previous anger. I'm going to go back to Stinson again tomorrow morning. Meet me there. There is something I want to show you. I finish my work that day and go home. I decide to tell Sarah about the tape and how it's making John act strange, but when I get home, she still hasn't gotten back from work. I make myself dinner and watch some TV, and there is still no sign of her. I call her work, and they tell me she left when her shift ended at 4 p.m., I call her mom in L.A. to ask if she's heard any word from Sarah, but she hasn't, and seems as worried as I am. I fall asleep on the couch watching TV. Saturday, April 9th. Sarah was still gone when I woke up Saturday morning. There's no way I can go meet John with Sarah missing. I go online and try and find any reports of traffic accidents on Friday morning, on Friday evening, but there is nothing. Finally, I decide to call the sheriff. They tell me I can file a missing person report, and there is no waiting period to do so. Thank you, realism. Thank you, thank you for that realis <laughs> realistic... Like, this bullshit, oh, you must wait 24 hours. No, you don't have to wait 24 hours to report somebody missing. Just an FYI, you can report them within 10 minutes. Yeah, if, if it's something that you think is wrong, like, 
She left work at four. No one's heard from her. You could have called as early as like six o'clock. I give them all the details and they promise to call me back as soon as they hear something. Sarah's mom calls me again in the evening and is very upset no one can find any trace of her daughter. Sunday, April 10th. I awake from the most vivid nightmare in the early hours of Sunday morning. In the dream, I am sleeping in my bed, spooned up against Sarah. I wake up and I'm freezing cold. The bed is totally soaked with nearly frozen water and it reeks of salt and seaweed. Everything is wet. The mattress, pillows, and blankets, everything. My arms are wrapped around Sarah and her body is just as cold as the water, possibly even colder. I prop myself up and turn on the lamp next to the bed. Sarah is asleep on her side with her back to me and I see that her arms have been bound behind her with twine. The knot is so tight that it's turned her hands blue and there is blood seeping from the cuts in her wrist. I am paralyzed by absolute terror, the kind you can only experience in a dream. Slowly, Sarah rolls from her side onto her back, and I can see her face. It's her, but she looks deformed. Her face is too broad, and her nose looks flattened and smashed, almost like she's pressed up against a piece of glass. Her eyes are bright and shiny. Her mouth is locked into a terribly wide grin. There are far too many teeth inside her mouth. She tells me there is something she needs to show me. I wake up in an empty bed, bathed in sweat and tangled in bed covers. I swear I can still smell the ocean. Eventually, I leave the house to get food. On my return, I noticed wet, sandy footprints leading from the grassy lawn right up to my front door. There's a piece of wet twine wrapped tightly around the door handle. When I untie it, I notice my hands have been stained a dull red. Monday, April 11th. I couldn't sleep. I called into work and told them I was sick. I lay on the couch all day watching TV and I have no appetite. At some point, I must have dozed off on the couch with the TV on. I wake up and the TV is blaring noise. A local news report is on and the news reporter is yelling, almost screaming his news report. Very Night Vale. <laughs> yeah. It's a story about hundreds of dead bodies washing up on the beach last night, all of them with their hands bound behind their backs. He looks directly into the camera, almost like he's looking right at me and says, you need to get down to the beach. There's something I need to show you. The TV turns off. My apartment is freezing and I can smell salt water. Tuesday, April 12th. Another night of fitful sleeping, but at least no more dreams. I'm exhausted from stress and lack of sleep. It's difficult to keep my thoughts in order. I call work and I told them I was still sick. For some reason, I didn't want them to know about my missing girlfriend. In the evening, a deputy from the sheriff's department called me. He told me they found Sarah's car abandoned in the parking lot near Stinson Beach. I tried asking him more questions, but he seemed very elusive and wouldn't give me any straight answers. I hope they don't think I'm a suspect in her disappearance. He told me that I needed to meet them at Stinson first thing tomorrow so they could ask me some questions. Shouldn't they want to question me at the sheriff's office? Before he hung up, he told me that it was imperative that I be at Stinson tomorrow. He said there was something he needed to show me. I called Sarah's parents' house, and her dad answered the phone. I told them about the deputy finding her car. He said that wasn't important anymore and that everything was going to be okay. Just make sure you meet with the deputy tomorrow morning, okay? There's something you need to see. Tuesday, April 13th. Another nightmare. God, I hope it was a nightmare. I'm so tired from not sleeping, it's hard to tell what's real and what isn't. In the dream, I was laying in bed again. The clock said 3.28 a.m. I woke up to a soft tapping noise coming from the bedroom window. I tried to ignore and go back to sleep. I hear the tap two more times and then Sarah's voice. Walter, I know you're in there. Please let me in. There's something I want to show you. Walter? My bedroom window is on the second floor. Dun, dun, dun. No. <laughs> Wait, so has the narrator changed? Uh, he, it's quota it's quotation marks. Okay. So, uh, she's tapping on the glasses saying, Walter, I know you're in there. No, I know, but, like, wasn't the first person Johnny? Uh, John is his friend who disappeared. Uh, okay, John is his friend. Okay. I, I was under the impression that the narrator was his girlfriend. Hmm. No. Yeah, his- That's, that's just me not listening properly. <laughs> See, kids? I should link you to these so that way you can read along since they're so long. 
That's called scaffolding. Anyway. <laughs> I ran downstairs, my gaze locked onto the door, afraid of what I might see outside the window, even though the Venetian blinds were drawn closed. I fled into the small guest bedroom slash computer office on the first floor and locked the door behind me. I didn't sleep the rest of the night. The house is filled with a smell of seawater again, stronger than before. Wednesday, April 14th. I am terrified and nearly mad with the need for sleep. I don't know what to do or who to ask for help. I know I can't stay locked in this room all day. I've decided to write this all down and post it online. Some place where people can read it, but possibly won't take it seriously. I'm afraid I won't make it back home ever again, but I have to go down to Stinson to talk with the sheriff. He's already called twice asking me where I am, and if he shouldn't just send someone to pick me up and drive me down there. Hopefully everything will work out okay, but I'll be back home later this evening. And then he never posts again. Oh no. The top comment is, just go to Stinson tomorrow. I need to show you something. (laughs) So, yeah, for a while it was like everybody would say, meet me at Stinson Beach. There's something I need to show you. (laughs) No, I don't want to go to the beach. Oh, actually, he he has a comment. Ready? Monday, April 18th. I feel a little silly for sounding so paranoid earlier. I found John and Sarah. Everything is going to be fine now. There wasn't any reason to be worried in the first place. Although it did take me a while to find their bodies, I had to wait until night when Tide was at its lowest point. This will probably be my last post. It's hard to type because my hands are so numb. The twine is so tight you lose all the feeling in your fingers. If you're ever in Marin County, California, come on down to Stinson Beach. There is something you need to see. Oh, no. <laughs> that was like a post credit scene ending. post credit scene. <laughs> I, I guess that's the beauty of the the format right Mm -hmm. is if you're posting a short story on reddit there are applications for that which mean that you can do interesting things with your story right yeah yeah there's this one where someone shows a video and they're like going around their house at night and they're like in the the window above the kitchen sink you can see someone running by like someone is trying to get into my house so he's like going around his house to different windows and being like look you can see the, out the window right there in the video there is someone standing wearing all black against the wall in his house and so people on like watching it are like you dude if this isn't a joke like you need to get the fuck out of your house right now but obviously they had like they had planned that, but it's like really right. like a cool way to be like, actually, you know, it's something that you're supposed to find out. It's an ARG of no sleep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah. Oof. This one is very, um, it's a lot more nuanced than a lot of the ones later on down the line, because after this, it becomes more popular. And then people are like, you know, a man with daggers for hands is following me. <laughs> so, yeah. I I just remember being freaked out by this one. I think there's like sequels, but not by the original author. Man, what a what a clever application of the use of diary format. Yeah, and and two, I feel like that would be good a good way to do it if you were doing over time. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I like I like how he put it, put it all out and then was like, and here's my last post. Man, all right, I am I am on a scale of one to spoop. I am three, <laughs> three spoop. Yeah, it's not it's three not spoop. the spoopiest. It's good storytelling for sure i feel like oh yeah it's not one of those ones that makes you look over your shoulder but that's why i started with this one we're easing into it (laughs) easing into the spoops i also like the uh my bedroom windows on the second floor (laughs) oh no 
Uh, that was very, um, that was like on its own paragraph. I'm like, see kids, you put it in your own paragraph if you want to emphasize. Paragraphs aren't five sentences long. That's like... Especially in creative writing. Yeah. Right. I had my students write a short story and they're like, how much is a paragraph? I'm like, however long you want it to be. It could be a word if you want. I always say, how long is a piece of string? Oh, nice. When they ask me that question, how long does my paragraph need to be? How long is a piece of string? And they go, uh, and I say, however long it needs to be. <laughs> they're like, oh, but I thought that was five times. No. Yeah. So. That's a good that's a good one. You gotta give them the little aphorisms to make sure they actually remember it. I yeah. I also like this is only nine years ago. It's twenty eleven. Uh we didn't really have VCRs at this time, but I feel like in that time it was a lot more I think pe- people still had VCRs, I think, at that point. And I, I think camcorders were still kinda I remember having our first camcorder around twenty ten. Oh dang. Yeah. I remember we got our VCR in two thousand and Shrek came out in two thousand one. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's the only thing you need to watch on your VCR, though. Right, so. pretty much. So you can watch Shrek Dance Party over and over again. Oh, fuck yes. <laughs> Shrek Dance Party. I feel like this time was a lot more, like, it was a time in the middle where you right. had to figure out how to make your computer work for you. And it wasn't at a time where it's like, we have infinite scrolling and an app that does whatever you want and all this. Right. We were transitioning from physical media to digital media at that point. Yeah. It was it was not considered strange to buy a CD in 2011. Or a People DVD, were starting yeah. to go, oh, but you can download it. But there was this kind of, uh, about it where it was like, if you download it, though, what happens if you lose it? Yeah. And it's like, oh, no. Which is still my mindset for, for digital media. It's like, I don't want it digitally. I want to keep it. I want if I pay money for something I want it in my hands please. Yeah, same. <laughs> I don't want it on the internet in the ether somewhere. So I st- yeah, while that is still kind of huh in 2011, it is less huh than it would be now where people are like, "Dude, what's a VCR?" Yeah, and I also went to an engineering school so we had a lot of computer engineers that are like, "I have a media server hooked up to my TV and like it has every movie that's ever existed or whatever before torrenting." <laughs> Or dur- it was during torrenting, but you know, they, it, you had to DIY it a little you more. You wouldn't download a car. <laughs> Absolutely would. <laughs> Absolutely. You wouldn't download a pizza. Hell yes, I would. Okay, let me put this uh, next one in the chat for you. Okay. Um. So there's another genre of no sleep posts. They actually ported on over to their other subreddit that's called the three kings or just our three kings the word three which is they call them recipes but they're basically like rituals like bloody mary and that kind of thing beetlejuice whatever (laughs) right and so it's spoopy and i i really like the way this one is written too because it's very realistic so we'll see how spooked you get the title is please don't actually try this (laughs) begs the question why you'd write it down Yeah, for sure. All right. I've been posting bits and pieces of my life here, but I find them a little boring and self-serving. The last one about the juvie incidents was already like 70% made up to my shame. So today I'll post a recipe instead. This is not a creepypasta, at least not yet, and I'm writing it from a train in the New York City area. What I'm about to share with you today is one of the many relatively safe ways in which you can access, not quite enter, a place I call the shadow side. And its effectiveness depends on how seriously you take me. Your mileage may vary. Refer to title. I won't tell you that you shouldn't be afraid of the shadow side. Chances are you've already seen it after all, and merely think it was just a recurring dream. 
I will tell you there is no need to be ignorantly afraid of it, though. There is a difference. Ignorance fuels fear, and fear can give that place a lot of juice to run on. You have to be big on preparation if you want to try this. It's like skydiving. If getting it right on your first try is not something you're good at, then this is not for you. If you do drugs or alcohol the night of the event, you're gonna have a bad time. If you're going through some serious issues in your life and are not feeling mentally or spiritually stable, or if you're doing this just to escape, you're going to have a bad time. And if you don't follow my instructions, particularly the multiple backups I'll give you, which, trust me, are there for a reason, you're going to have a really bad time. The name of this game is The Three Kings. Ingredients A very large, empty, and quiet room, preferably without windows. If windows exist, you need to be able to cover them and ensure total darkness. Basements usually work well if they're roomy enough. A pack of candles. You'll only use one if all goes well. And a lighter. A bucket of water and a mug. A fan. Two large mirrors, like the one on your dresser. Don't worry, they won't be harmed. Or if they are, it'd be the least of your concerns. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so glad I don't have a mirror in this room. (laughs) The three chairs an alarm clock, an active cell phone, don't forget to charge the goddamn battery, a loved one willing to follow rules and go along with all this madness, and a small toy or dear object from your childhood. Setup. Start your setup around 11 p.m. Place one chair in the center of the room facing north. This is important. Place the other two chairs exactly to the left and the right facing your throne. The distance between your throne and that of your queen and fool should be about the length of your arm to each side, more or less. Place the two large mirrors on the queen and fool chairs to the left and right of you, facing you and each other. Try your best to have them stand at 90 degrees, or else you may get more or less than three kings. If you sit on your throne facing straight ahead, north, you should be able to perceive your own reflection in each of the two mirrors without actually having to turn your head or your eyes to do so. If you see your own reflection in the corner of your eye, just barely there, then you've done it right. Place the bucket of water and the mug in front of you, just barely out of reach. Place the fan behind you. Turn it on. Don't set it to maximum power. Medium or low is usually enough. Leave it on. Turn off the lights, leave the door open, and go to your bedroom. Set the candles by the side of the bed next to the lighter, your alarm clock, and your cell phone. Leave it charging. Set your alarm clock for 3.30 a.m. Turn off the lights and sleep while holding your power object. Get some rest. (laughs) So those are the ingredients that you need. Sounds legit. What could, what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> I just, I like the specificity of like 3.30. It needs to be 3.30 a.m. There's, there's a lot of very specific things that they mention. It, there's no room for error here, which helps to impress upon you. Okay, if you do this wrong, this is gonna fucking suck. Yeah, which I like because it gives that realism to it. Right. Plus it kind of, like, as we'll see with the with the actual steps, it reminds me of like a heist like, it needs to be exactly right. Heists are totally my jam, so I'm all about I it. I love heists. Heists are great. Showtime. Wake up at 3.30 a.m. with your alarm clock. Turn it off, but don't turn on the light. You have exactly three minutes to light your candle, grab your cell phone, and make your way to the dark room to sit in your throne. You should be seated by 3.33 a.m. Don't forget your power object. Check for potential red flags. If your cell phone didn't charge for whatever reason, abort the mission. If the alarm didn't go off at exactly 3.30 a.m., abort the mission. If you find the dark room door closed, remember you left it open. Abort the mission. If the fan is turned off, you left it on. Abort the mission. I like that. That's creepy. <laughs> Side note, if you have to abort the mission due to any of the above, 
leave the house with your loved one, go to a hotel or something. There's no need to run. You have time to grab a jacket and your keys and whatnot, but leave. After 6 a.m., the coast should be clear. If all is going as planned, you can proceed and take your throne. Do not look directly at either of the two mirrors beside you. Do not let the candle go out. The fan is behind you. You must protect the candle with your body, which is standing in between. There is reason for this, as you'll soon see. Look straight ahead at the darkness. Not at the candle, not at the mirrors, just straight ahead. Eagle-eyed readers will notice I didn't say during setup which chair was the queen and which chair was the fool. That's because it's your job to find out. And from their point of view, you are either their queen or their fool, too. Hence, three kings. I won't spoil what happens next. Suffice it to say you won't be alone, and if you have questions, you'll get answers. Sometimes in the form of new questions, but hey, that's the story of humanity, huh? Just stay put and try not to move. Again, do not d look directly at the mirrors nor the candle. Just straight ahead, trust me. Don't chicken out either. You need to wait until 4.34. By 4.34, it's all over. It's okay to tremble a little bit, just try not to. Not because it affects the ritual or anything, it's just a pussy thing to do while in polite <laughs> company. <laughs> Did I mention not to let the candle go out? That's what the fan is for. You're protecting the candle with your body, but if your body were to be suddenly moved, then the fan would turn the candle off. That's backup number one. Your loved one is backup number two. At 434, she has to come into the room and call your name. If that won't work, she has to call your cell phone. If that won't work, she has the glass of water in the bucket. She can't touch you, though. That's a newbie mistake. Backup number three is your item of power. The toy or locket or whatever object of strength you brought along for the ride. It'll show you the way if shit hits the fan. Multiple backups. Gotta be like a boy scout if you do these things. If you half-ass it, half-ass it all the way so it won't work. Worst you can do is take it seriously enough for it to work and not seriously enough to be prepared for the consequences. When in doubt, refer to my title. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> the top comment is, I did this and I died. They have Wi-Fi in the shadow side. <laughs> I did this and I died. <laughs> is this from eight years ago? Dang. I, I like the edit that he puts on where it's like, hey, I don't want to take up the entire subreddit with my dumb shit Three Kings <laughs> thing. Uh, please go to this new subreddit and we talk spooky stories. Yeah. And I, I went there and it's got some interesting stuff. It seems to be a lot of like hypnotizing. Like I could see how this would end up yielding results. If not just like staring into darkness with a candle in your hand For and an mirrors hour. on the side. Yeah. Is gonna make things happen, you know? It's similar to the idea of... The only thing the only thing I can think of is Stranger Things, right? Where you get in the salt bath and you play oh, your, yeah. uh, white noise and cover your eyes in the dark room and then it sends you to the, the upside down, mm -hmm. right? It's a similar idea to that. I upvoted a post in here, so I must have read this eight years ago. Dang. And I don't remember it at all. Because you can't... They get locked after like four months, three months, something like that. And you can't upvote or downvote although I, I see i did downvote someone they have wi-fi on the shadow side what kinds of speeds are you getting yeah this i feel like this is um basically trying to induce like a sleep paralysis kind of situation right um, like a hypnosis or hypnosis i have had sleep paralysis experiences they are real bad yeah great i i'm the kind of person who like i don't i'm agnostic i'm ghost agnostic <laughs> ghost agnostic i've had ghost experiences yeah I, I i trend a little bit towards the like i don't know what's going on but something's going on you know and i am also the kind of person who's like hey don't do this 
like in the horror movie, should we read the incantation? No, just don't. Don't do that. <laughs> no. Why would you do that? Like, <laughs> yeah. I I have had definite unexplainable experiences that I never told anybody about. And when I told my mother about it, she was surprised. Oh God, it, it was it was a wild time. Do we have time to tell my ghost <laughs> yeah, story about my actual? Okay, so when I was about ten, I, I must have been ten, and it was it was the summertime. Um, and in England, um, terraced houses are really common, so they're big, tall houses with more than one floor, and they're right next to each other. Right, mm-hmm. so my bedroom wall directly went, it kind of touched the other house's bedroom wall. This is important. <laughs> There was a um, a fireplace in that wall. When I was around 10, I started seeing a man at the end of my bed. And mm-hmm. at first, while I was scared of him, I, eventually, after a couple of nights, I realized he wasn't actually there trying to hurt me. He just wanted to sit on my bed. But there was something really strange about him because he never spoke. Um, and I remember he used to wear a shirt and it had like a ruffled, like, like a crumpled up kind of texture to it like somebody had scrunched up when it was wet Mm -hmm. and then put it on him and this went on for a couple of weeks and then stopped and i just kind of assumed and i called him tom tom my ghost tom (laughs) and i i didn't tell anybody about it or if i did tell someone about it they were like oh you must have been dreaming so i just kind of forgot about it well i was talking to my mom about it because she was talking about ghost experiences she'd had and she went when was this I was like, oh, it must have been when I was about 10. And she was like, that's really strange because this is what happened in the house next door at that time. Ah! We had a neighbor who um, was a student who just started university in our town and he had epilepsy. And uh, he had been doing like, we call them freshers events, right? I don't know what you, you would call them. Where all the new students get out and they socialize and whatever. Week of welcome. And because of his epilepsy, he couldn't drink. And he found that incredibly frustrating. So one night he just decided, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to go out. I'm going to get drunk with my friends. I'm going to have a good time. Went out, got drunk, came home, had a fit, died in the bedroom on the opposite side of the wall from me. Oh my gosh. When, uh, like a couple of weeks later, which which would have been about the time I started seeing Tom the ghost, right? A couple of weeks later when I stopped seeing Tom is because my dad kicked the neighbor's door open to try and find this boy. And when they opened the door to his bedroom, he was wearing a crumpled up shirt and he had bitten through his tongue. Oh my gosh. (laughs) So my theory now about this ghost experience I had is that Tom, whatever his name was, I don't actually know what his, his real name was, was trying to tell somebody that he was in the house. Yeah. But he didn't speak to me because he'd bitten his tongue. Wow. So there you go. That's my ghost experience. And when when people tell me that, oh, I don't believe in ghosts, I think they're fake, I always tell them that story. Because it's too, the coincidence is too wild. Yeah, for sure. For, for, for me to, and, and I never told anybody about this. Like, it's just a thing that I remember happening. So yeah, that's, that's my ghost experience. Okay. Maybe I buried the lead a little, because I'm <laughs> probably a little more than agnostic too. I had a couple sleep paralysis experiences one was when I was in high school. Actually, the first one was when I was in college and I had a roommate who was very, she had a lot of issues and our friend Ian was staying the night and he'll, he's probably listening. <laughs> he'll verify. <laughs> um, and he, he used to stay, cause he went to the same college, but he was living at home. So he would sometimes right. stay over and, uh, 
So that way you didn't have to drive to class in the morning. And uh, so he was sleeping on my floor and I just felt the door open and something dark. Like it was, I always describe it as like the wireframes from Super Smash Brothers Melee. <laughs> like just a knot of like black, just like a pers- <sighs> person shaped big knot like the scary, what are the puff balls called in uh, My Neighbor Totoro? <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Uh, sprites. Some sprites. Sprites. Sit sprites. That's it. Okay. Uh, and it came up and it started pulling my comforter down. What the hell? And this was when my third roommate who shared a room with with that roommate that was having issues wasn't there, which was very unusual. Normally, if the the problem roommate was gone, the good roommate was also gone. But it was like one of the few times where that was happening. And so I like couldn't breathe. And so I ended up like, I was raised in a Christian household. So I probably said some like shit to Jesus. And I turned the light on and it was gone. And then I made Ian sleep in my bed on top of the covers for the rest of the night. The second time it happened was when my I was at my parents' house and my sister was dating this really horrible, horrible guy who was just the worst abusive asshole and way too old for her. And the same thing happened. I was like dreaming that my sister was in like the hall because my, my bedroom is at the end of the hall and the bath- bathroom is in the middle of the hall. So I dreamed that she was like taking a shower and while she was taking a shower, like the same shadow creature walked into the hall into my doorway because i used to sleep with my door open because we had dogs that would come in and out and just lunged at me and made this horrendous screaming sound that i swear i heard so i freaking woke up 19 years old went and slept with my mom (laughs) (laughs) and it's very strange because i haven't had experiences like that since then but it was both when two people in the house that were not me were going through some like really tough shit so i don't know if that had to do with it but yeah those are my ghost experiences or or something experiences supernatural experiences yeah Yeah, i think like some things are really easy to explain away like oh you were feeling anxious or like whatever or it was just a really vivid dream that you had but like it's it's when you for you for example that creature is exactly the same both times right it's not like two different creatures and for me this went on for a period of like longer than a night it was like two weeks yeah I feel like they were different, but they were like the same species. Of the same substance. Yeah. Yeah. If that makes sense. So maybe I'm not more of an agnostic, but like, yeah, I don't know. (laughs) I'm I'm a definite ghost believer. I definitely think that they exist. I definitely think that kids are more susceptible to it. Mm -hmm. Um, I have not seen a ghost since then. Yeah, me either. I, I, the, the, this apartment and the last apartment that we were in is very, I feel clean <laughs> like if that <laughs> right. makes sense anyway okay here's this next one and this one is long as hell um okay so i figure we're gonna go a little over today uh but this one is the one that i was reading and i was like fuck this <laughs> i don't want to read this anymore <laughs> <laughs> so it's actually from 4chan it's from x i don't know what that forum is but it was posted 2012 and it starts off as green text which if you don't know is like the it's bullet points um, but then he goes into prose. <laughs> I okay. say as if green text is poetry. Okay, here's my story. Be 16, be black, and have a family downtown in Alabama. They farm and own a huge amount of land in Huntsville. 
Uncle owns a big house and a bunch of trailers they put out in the woods for hunting or camping. Down south, cousins suggest that we go out there to camp. No, I'm a city kid from Chicago, so they tease the fuck out of me. Collect food, kill a pig and some chickens, and bring necessities out to camp for a few days. We get to the camp and it's obvious something is weird. Air has this weird electric smell, like before a storm, like ozone. We think nothing of it and unpack and go down to a little creek to swim for a few hours. All of a sudden, some older white guy and a white teenager come out of the bushes. He has a shotgun in the crook of his arm and says hello and asks us what we're doing this far back in the woods. I tell him about my uncle, who he knows, and say we're out camping. He tells us we need to be real careful out here and stick together. There was a big animal in the woods. His son, who is my age, asks if he can stay and hang out with us. He says okay. I'm going to stop green texting because the story is fairly long and the format is harder to write in. So yeah, green text is is this weird kind of bullet point formatting that's incomplete sentences that is a way to tell stories. It's like its own language. It's kind of interesting. Yeah, it has its own syntax and rules. Mm-hmm. And it's it's an interesting kind of pseudo language that the internet has created. Of course, we're English majors and we're like, this is such an ing- interesting linguistic <laughs> case. <laughs> You're like, shut up and get to the damn story. <laughs> um, yeah, and so there's a lot of characters here. The main one is Tanner is the white kid. Rooster is one of the narrator's cousins. And then Kira is a girl in the story who I, I think is a friend of the cousins. So stop me whenever you're confused because okay. uh, he's got a little bit of a colloquial way of speaking that makes it really charming, but also difficult to follow. So we end up playing football. Dicking around with me, there's the white kid Tanner, five of my cousins, and then four of their friends. In total, we were five girls and six boys. We were all around 15 to 17. So note, this is important that there were 11 people. We ended up just dicking the day away. So we head back to camp and put some stuff on for a campfire, even though the both trailers had kitchenettes. Tanner said that his family's property sits up against my uncle's. He wants to run home and ask his dad if he can come out camping with us. My cousin Rooster says he's going to go with him since it's getting dark soon. One of the girls wants to tag along. It's about 7 o'clock and starting to get pretty dark. They take flashlights and take the trail towards Tanner's property. The rest of us chill. We make s'mores, drink, and kiss on the girls. Tan, Tanner is often referred to as Tan, so. Okay. About 30 or 40 minutes later, there's the smell of ozone again. You can smell it over the smell of the fire we had started. This really nasty, coppery-like smell, like right after you've had a nosebleed and it stopped. It wasn't exactly like dried blood, but it was that nasty, metallic, back-of-your-throat smell. We immediately think that it's some kind of electrical malfunction or someone left a pot plate or some of that shit. We search the trailers and nothing is on, and we can all smell it. All of a sudden, we can hear people booking it down the path toward us, and Rooster, Tan, and the girl all come running into the clearing out of breath. They don't even break stride, they all run into the trailer right by where the fire is. We all get the fuck out of there and into the trailers. They end up calming down, even Rooster is crying his fucking eyes out at this point. All the while, the fire is getting lower and lower, so my cousins say fuck it and are about to go outside to get the generator out of the shed between the trailers. Tanner goes, Fuck no, lock the front door, ain't nobody else going outside. He's been crying too and his eyes are bloodshot and puffy and his pants are dirty as shit. He goes on to tell us that he went. they went up to his house. His father said sure he could go out camping but make sure they were careful on the way back and maybe they should take one of the hunting rifles just in case. Evidently, Tanner had seen something in their yard a few days before. One of their pigs had come up, ripped in half and eaten. They assumed it was just some big cats or coyotes, even though they don't usually fuck with live animals. He had gone upstairs and packed his stuff, and told his dad they would be okay without the rifle because coyotes avoid people. 
so they started walking back towards where we were camping. So, Rooster finally stops crying and shaking. The girl already had, but she was just staring out the window with a dumb look on her face. He says they had gotten halfway into the woods toward the camp when they started to hear shit in the forest. It was almost pitch black by this time, so they weren't sure at first what the fuck it was. The girl says she heard something in the bushes right off the trail, and they all beamed their flashlights over there, and there was something standing back in the woods in a little hollow. Rooster said they shouted at him and told him that he was scaring the fuck out of them and what a dick he was. That's when he realized that the guy was facing away from them. So they kept walking and they started smelling that nasty coppery ozone smell. They say they look off into the forest on the opposite side and it's a dude standing in the forest, backwards slightly closer to the path. Now they start power walking and Tan keeps going, I should have taken the fucking rifle. (laughs) Mistake number one. As they're telling the story, the smell is super strong even inside the cabin. They say that after they started walking faster, a kind of low gibbering has started coming from both sides of the wood. And as they start booking it back to the trailer, the girl said she had flashed her flashlight out into the woods to the side of them and seen something jerking itself through the woods. The gibbering just got louder and louder, and when they see the light from our campfire, something had come out of the woods about 40 yards behind them and into the track, and they just flat out ran as fast as they could into the trailer. Uh, so imagine being this kid living here. Be like, nope, we're moving to the city, Dad. No. <laughs> Take me to Chicago. <laughs> yeah, just and and that imagery is very good. Like, just you see the campfire, and then something just smashes out of the woods. Ugh. So we're out in the fucking woods, and we're assuming at this point that some rednecks or some shit is trying to fuck with us. Hello, Tucker and Dale versus Evil. It's <laughs> <laughs> a great movie. I'm getting Amazing um, movie. you know, Cabin in the Woods vibes because that's my favorite movie. I still haven't seen that film. Oh, it's it's too spooky for me. <laughs> if you like Dale, well, Tucker and Dale, there's not actually any bad guys watch it if you guys like horror but you don't like to be scared dale and tucker versus evil and you like alan tudyk i love alan tudyk he's a great guy famous voice of the chicken from moana famous voice of pretty much fucking everything he's also the king in um ralph breaks the internet mm-hmm. ralph wreck ralph the first one yeah, yeah wreck ralph the other one the good one i, I liked i enjoyed part of the second one part of it yeah, yeah. i mean the princess scene is just amazing anyway all of a sudden my other cousin junior starts going on about how he went to school with a native kid that was telling him about the goat man or some shit we promptly tell him to shut the fuck up because we don't need any spooky talk right now but he just keeps going on and on about how it's the fucking goat man and how we're in his woods and blah 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 now at the time i'd never heard of this goat man or any of that But then a couple of years ago, the year before I graduated from college, I had a menom for a roommate, and I ended up asking him about it. And to sum it up, it's basically a fucking man with the head of a goat, and he can shapeshift, and he gets out into groups of people to terrorize them. It's supposed to be also kind of like the Wendigo, where it's bad mojo to even talk about it, and even worse if you see it. Keep in mind, I didn't know this back when I was 16. So my cousin is going, the goat man's going to get in and fucking get us. The girls are all terrified and my cousins and I are fucking trying to figure out if this is just some hillbillies or if it's some animal. So all of a sudden, the smell just goes away. Like, to this day, I haven't even experienced anything like it. Usually a smell fades away or lessens, and it literally was just there one second and not the second. Second. (laughs) He says literally there one second and then not the second. So. So after an hour, making it around 9 or 10, we've stopped shitting bricks enough to go back outside and stoke the fire again. We figure it was just some assholes trying to fuck with us so we don't go back home because we think if we do, they'll chase us through the woods or some crazy shit. Because they walked here. They didn't drive in. Right. To clarify. Which, 
bad move. I'm not going ca- I want to go camping, but I'm not going camping for a while after this shit. Nothing else weird happens that night, and we stay another night, and for the main part of the night, nothing happens. At about one in the morning, we're outside getting drunk and telling ghost stories. As someone is finishing some too spooky story I don't remember what about, the smell comes back. It's so fucking strong that one of the girls literally starts vomiting. Okay. Hey, pro tip. Hey, <laughs> you guys. Don't stop telling ghost stories when you- <laughs> God damn. That really shows how much they forgot about it. Because not only did they stay a second night, but then they start telling spooky stories. And I'm like, right. no, you don't stay. Even if it's some hillbilly's fucking with you. Hey, mm, mm, mm. you people of color in the South, baby. <laughs> baby, go. Yeah, anything could happen to you. I stand up and you can actually feel how clammy the air is. I say we should go inside and this isn't right. We should have just fucking left. We all go back inside and we're standing around. My cousin keeps going on about how it's the goat man, and my cousin Rooster tries to shut him the fuck up, and all the while I'm just feeling that something is wrong and I can't figure out what the fuck it is. We ended up sitting there for a while, the smell is just as strong, and we're all terrified and huddled in this camper. We end up cooking brats for everyone because nobody wants to go outside. It's one of those packs with four brats, so we have a total of three packs. I grill them up on the stove and give everybody a hot dog. I get mine. After a while, one of my cousins gets up and goes over to the pot to get another. He starts grumbling about how I get two brats and everybody else only got one, and I look at him like he's fucking stupid. I tell him that everybody only got one because there were only 12 brats. If he wants more, he should open up a new pack and cook some more. That's when the girl that had been out with Rooster and Tan just starts screaming, Oh Jesus, oh Lord, get it out. She's crying and shivering, and then it dawns on the cousin standing up what the fuck is wrong. Me and him both glance around the room, and then I feel my heart fucking sink. I run the fuck out of the cabin and the girl runs with us. The trailer door is banging against the side of the trailer as everybody books it out of the cabin. One of my cousin's friends asks us what the fuck was wrong. I start counting us. There's only 11 now. I shit you not, my cousin verified. (laughs) There have been 12 people in the cabin, but being that everybody didn't really know each other well, nobody had noticed the whole fucking time there was an extra person. And then I realized earlier that I had kind of noticed something was off. You know how when you're just dicking around having a good time, you don't sweat the small as shit, and you don't always keep track of certain stuff. I'm dead sure that someone else had been in the trailer with us, and they had been there at least a fucking day eating with us. What makes it worse, I could figure out which one because I don't think anyone actually interacted with the other person slash goat man. My my apartment just creaked behind me and I'm like, Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> The girl kept praying to Jesus and we're all sitting outside. Eventually we get big ass sticks and go back into the cabin, but there's nobody in there. We count again. There's 11 people. We go back into the trailer and lock the door. We explain what the fuck happened and the girl says that she realized too that when he was about to say something, the person sitting next to her had grabbed her leg hard and leaned over to her and said something that she couldn't understand. So we're pretty much scared as fuck as we huddle together and I fall asleep. When I wake up, the sun is just coming up and half the people are asleep and the other half are packing our shit up. We all want to go back home, but like four people want to stay until the sun is all the way up. What? Until the sun is all the way up. No, fuck that. <laughs> Get out. And some people think that we're just fucking around. Remember, they do have to walk, so. The sun will come up while you're walking. Time waits for no man. Let's go, let's go. <laughs> And some people think that we're just fucking around and want to stay at the trailers. I just want to get the fuck out of the woods. So the girl's name is Kira, the one that the goat man touched. Anyway, I asked her if she really thinks it was something bad, and she says she just wants to go home and doesn't want to be out in the woods alone for another night. Good plan. Don't talk about it until Mm -hmm. you get home. Yep. So this was the same girl that went out with Rooster and Tan, Kira. So we decide to split up. 
The four that want to go can go, but I have to stay because I have the keys to the cabin and it's my uncle's and I have to lock up. Foolish move. Foolish move. You never split up in a horror movie. Well, there's a lot of them, but yeah. Doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you need to watch Cabin in the Woods. Yeah. Um, if you can handle blood. No. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm going to watch it. <laughs> I'm super pissed at this point because I feel like people aren't taking this shit seriously and I definitely didn't want to be out in the woods for another night. I spend the rest of the day trying to convince the rest of the people, now four girls and four guys, to get the fuck out of Dodge. Tanner leaves with them to go get a rifle and says he's going to be back. So there are just seven of us left by 4 p.m. At around 5 p.m. he hasn't made it back yet and we're all getting extremely fucking antsy and the only reason I stopped begging them to go back because he went to get a gun. So around 5.30 p.m. or so, when the one cousin that did stay with us says that the Kira girl is outside, we all look outside and sure enough, she's standing by the fire pit with her back to the cabin. Mm. I'm thinking to myself, she was so fucking scared. Why the hell would she come back? And then I get this nasty feeling in my gut. Keep in mind the whole time that coppery smell has been gone. Now I realize I can smell just a twinge of it. I say this to the rest of them and everybody, and these are the people that wanted to stay in the fucking woods after we had the goddamn goat man in our midst, is laughing at me and asking me if I set this up to scare them. I look at them like, I'm not fucking bullshitting you right now. I ask them why the fuck would I play like that? So one of the girls goes outside to get Kira. She gets halfway to her and stops cold. Kira starts heaving. I don't know how the fuck to describe it. Sort of like if someone with their back was turned was laughing without actually making any sound. It was this fact that makes me realize there's not a fucking sound in the whole woods. It was dead silent. This was like late September, so it was still fairly hot at the time. There were some super chilly days too, and you could usually hear big-ass geese honking or some kind of birds or squirrels chit-chatting. So I step out the door and tell her to come back in the fucking trailer right goddamn now. <laughs> Why? Why would you do that? Nope. <sighs> She backs up to the trailer and we lock the fucking door. We pull down all the shades except one and put a guy there in a chair to watch her. She stands there for another 20 minutes or so. The guy turns to say that she's still there and there's a huge fucking bang on the door. We all jump the fuck up and scramble around the living room of the trailer. The banging is super fucking loud. So now my cousin is holding one of the girls and the other two are kind of giggling with nervous laughter and me and the other two guys are shitting bricks. Then we hear Tan. He's screaming. Let me the fuck in. Stop fucking playing. Remember that quote. <laughs> so we go over to the door and open it and he stumbles in with a rifle. There's nobody else outside. Evidently, he had walked up to the campsite. Nothing weird happened in the forest, but he had seen a girl. Mind you, he said it was not Kira standing there. When he had gotten to the edge of the clearing, she turned towards him with a slack-jawed look and just stared him down, slowly tracking him as he walked around the outside of the clearing towards the camp. He said it wasn't until he was almost halfway to the trailer he realized she was getting closer to him. She had started off by the fire, but without even seeing her move, she had been turning, inching closer. He said that he just ran the rest of the way to the cabin, thinking it would open. What the fuck is that noise? In my apartment. <laughs> and then when he got to the door, it was locked. He turned and it was about half the distance to the door. He looks around the room and then gets super pale. He pulls me to the side and whispers in my ear, You know there are only seven, us, seven of us in here, right? And I get that feeling where your stomach drops into your nuts. It had been back inside the trailer while we were sorting out who was going where. And then when we all went outside to talk earlier in the day, it just slipped right back in. We looked out the window and there's nobody out there. So we recount everyone and then basically I go over and ask everyone how many people were here earlier. And everybody says eight. I say, well, how many are here now? And they all do the count and realize there are now only seven people in the cabin. 
So Tan had brought back a couple of boxes of ammo and his rifle. And he told his dad there was some kind of animal in the forest because he didn't think his dad would believe him if he said it was Goatman. He says that his cousin is supposed to be coming down in a few hours and that in the morning we can all go back to his place and his cousin will drive us home. Now, I'm really fucking terrified, but I at least feel better that we can be American and shoot the fuck out of whatever it is if it comes back. But then my cousin gets into this huge argument with one of the girls because she thinks that I'm trying to be funny and prank them and that she's getting really scared and that I'm not funny. He keeps telling her I'm not that kind of person and she says, well, how do we know the girl wasn't just Tanner in a wig? Or if it's really the goat man, how do we know if this is the real Tanner and that the goat man didn't kill Tanner in the woods and take his gun? So we get into a fucking huge argument about this where me and Tanner are like, we could seriously be in danger because at the very least someone has been sneaking themselves into our fucking trailer without us knowing and mingling with us. And at worst, something bad is in the forest fucking with us. One of the girls is crying and saying she wants to go right now. And we're telling her that we shouldn't because none of us are walking through the woods in the middle of the night. At this point, the sun is starting to go down and it's getting a little cloudy out. So we eat something and turn on the radio for a while, but we can't really get a station out there with anything decent. So we turn it off about the time that Tan's cousin shows up. He was like 19, I think. At this point, the sun is just barely over the horizon, and he has one of those heavy-duty lantern flashlights and another rifle. He walks up to the trailer, and we whisper to Tan, asking if he's sure that's his cousin, and he says yes. The guy looks behind him and all around the camp, and then walks in. He kind of glances at all of us and looks a little confused. He says, where's your other little buddy at? I figured she would meet me up at the cabin. Is she a little slow or something? He also asked whether we had been cooking blood in the cabin because it smells (laughs) like blood and hot pans all the way up the trail. And we're like, fucking nope. (laughs) But we ask him what the (laughs) fuck he's talking about with the girl he saw. He had come down the same trail Tan had been using and he had come up on one of you guys' buddies standing in the middle of the trail looking at him slack-jawed. He had asked her a bunch of questions, but all she did was look at him. Then she smiled at him and he kept walking. She couldn't seem to keep up and kept lagging a little behind him. He said he asked her if she was hurt or something and if she needed any help. She had continued to stare at him. Eventually, he had been walking and turned around a bend in the trail. And when he turned around and went back to see if she was okay, the trail was empty. He assumed that she'd taken some shortcut through the woods into our trailer. We tell him the whole story of what's been going on. I half expect him to say we're full of shit, but he just listened and then sat down on the couches in the living room. Tanner's cousin gets back to the girl. He says when she had kept trying to lag behind him, it kind of weirded him the fuck out. So he tried to keep her in front of him. No matter how slow he walked, she was always lagging a little behind. And that he smelled this nasty smell and it got stronger as he got to camp. Eventually it got really strong. She had said something really low that he didn't catch. And when he turned around, she had been right the fuck up on him and he stepped back from her. It was at that point she asked her... He asked her if she was okay, and if she wasn't, he could carry her back the rest of the way, and she just kept staring. He said he reached out for her as if to grab her on the shoulder, but he must have misjudged the distance because she was off to the side where he had put his hand, like she had moved while he was looking dead at her. So at this point, we know that shit's real unless Tan's playing a joke, which we can tell he's not because he's almost pissing his pants. (laughs) (laughs) The... Why didn't you leave at like six in the morning? Right? Oh my gosh. Like that, and I, I definitely get being in that group where they're like, you're like, we need to go. And they're like, no, it's fine. It's like, no, we need to go. No, I want to leave. Let's go now. Yeah. So they load up their rifles. We eat some more and we just kind of sit around until about 11. To this fucking day, every time I think about this, I really pray to God that it's some kind of huge prank that my cousins played on me and just never revealed. So I would shit my pants for the rest of my life. 
At around 11 p.m., the stink of copper turns into an actual nasty, gross, blood-like smell, like cooking blood and singed hair. Tan and his cousin Reese get the fuck up instantly and grab the rifles. There's like a half-knocking, half-clawing at the door, and I shit you not, there's this voice. It sounds like when you see those YouTube cats and dogs whose owners teach them to quote-unquote talk. It says in this halting, weirdly-toned voice, let me the fuck in, stop fucking playing. It made my nuts creep against my body, and one of the girls just starts crying and calling on Jesus. It was just so obviously not a person talking. I didn't have, it didn't have the right cadence. And that's some shit I never realized until that moment. But all people have a certain cadence when they talk, no matter what language. All people have a certain kind of rhythm to talking. This shit didn't have any kind of cadence or rhythm. One of those YouTube cats or whatever the fuck sounded like outside the door. So now I'm in full terror mode. We keep yelling outside, who is it? Stop fucking around, man. And it just keeps saying in or let me the fuck in for almost 15 minutes. And then there's a link to to a YouTube video of a cat talking, which I will not click on. Thank you. No, I'm good. It sounds like this almost, just not funny. Sorry for being on a tangent, but if you can't imagine how this shit sounded, then you can't imagine how fucked up the whole situation was. So then the smell goes away for a while, and for the next hour or so, you can hear someone basically creeping around in the woods and shit. Every couple of minutes, it'll come back to the door and say something. Finally, when the smell fades away, it's around two in the morning now. Reese says, man, fuck this, and opens the door and walks outside with his rifle. He fires a shot into the air and says something to the effect of, in the name of Jesus Christ, go away. (laughs) He fires two more times, and then from the woods, right up against the river from the trailer, it sounds like something is slowly gibbering and hooting. Then it starts screaming and almost sounds like a woman and a cat in a bag screaming together. Like, I seriously have never heard any shit like that, and you can hear the brush over that way start to shake. Reese fires over to the tree line and then starts backing into the house. We lock the door and we can hear this shit key and screaming. Reese says something has come out of the bushes, super low to the ground and crawling towards the cabin, and so he shot at it. Pretty much, that was how the rest of the night went. It was literally screaming constantly for the next two hours, and we could hear shit moving around by the tree line, but it never came back up to the cabin until everyone had finally fallen asleep. Which, like, no, <laughs> not sleeping, friend. Sorry. Tan had been sitting in a chair watching in the door with his rifle. Nobody else heard or saw this, and he told me two days later after the whole thing was over. He said that he had been nodding off after the screaming and noises finally stopped, and he had been almost asleep when he saw someone come out of the bathroom and then lay down in the middle of the floor and go to sleep. He just assumed it was one of us and that he had nodded off. Then he said he kind of realized something was wrong, and while pretending to be sleeping, he counted us. There were nine people in the cabin. He basically didn't want to try and shoot at the fucking thing in the cabin and have it kill us all then and there, or have Reese wake up and start shooting and then we all kill ourselves. So he just stayed awake all night pretending to be asleep. He said sometimes it would stand up and do this kind of weird jittery thing or heave like it was laughing, but then it would lay back down. The story closes pretty weak because from my perspective, nothing happened. We woke up and noticed that Tan was a little jittery and that he was avoiding looking at us, but we ate some breakfast, packed up, and started walking to his house. He stayed last in the cabin and said he'd lock up and bring me my uncle's keys and to just start walking and he'd catch up, which I really didn't want to fucking do. <laughs> I got a li- We got a little bit up the path and when he came running up, basically we just jogged back to his house. His cousin took us home. There was a window in the bathroom. Tan had gone back to lock up and looked in there. We were too fucking stupid to lock a screenless window. (laughs) And the window was fucked up when he went in there. I'm guessing it had been doing that all night long, waiting for us to fall asleep or slip up and then get in among us. It walked with us all the goddamn way back to his house. And then he said it lagged to the back of the group and looked him dead in the eyes before walking into the woods. I hate it. Thanks, I hate it. (sighs) 
<laughs> this is like the worst kind of scary story where it's like nothing bad happened. It's just stupidity of people and creepy as hell. Like Dang. it's a very relatable, like big group situation, and like the the chaotic nature of trying to plan a trip of any kind when you're like 16 (laughs) nobody's paying any attention to anything like everybody's drinking too much and you're all eating just literally sausages it's all you're eating for like three days yeah yeah like at least you're gonna forget two or three essential objects also my favorite comment on this post is holy fucking jesus this scared the living dog shit out of me just a phrase i don't have or eat dog shit by the way (laughs) (laughs) yeah and also there was a quote the the thing that made me feel better that's like this thing just looked like it wanted to be your friend to be honest it never attacked you even though you shot at it and it just kind of wanted to like hang out with you like yeah i guess bullshit (laughs) bullshit i find it hard to believe that this person didn't ask their roommate when they were in college like is it Evo? Does it do <laughs> bad things, or is it just kind of around? Whew. Yeah. Whew. About halfway through reading that, the first time I got like, I had to stop and take a break. <laughs> like, okay. Too much. So on a level of one to ten, how spoopy? I was pretty spoopy. I was like, it's like a level seven spoop. Yeah, I I feel like uh, it, there's no possession or like ghosts. It's just tension. Yeah. And also, mm. right now, you know, we're not going to be in a big group of 12 people anytime soon, so. <laughs> yeah, that's just too many people as well. Pretty sure I'll notice if there's an extra person in my apartment, considering yeah. it's just the two of us at too all Too many people in any situation, so. God damn. Yeah, I hope this person... Is okay. A is okay. Because, <laughs> like, and also, this is not fully unrealistic no not at all like like i could definitely see this happening nobody died and the smell is a nice touch it seems to have that strong smell when it's like transforming right and that image the image of the heat someone standing facing away from you and like kind of hunched over and like heaving up and down is very jokery yeah but not in like a classic fun joke way (laughs) (laughs) in a spoopy the joker is actually a ghost kind of way yeah, in a kind of death of the family joker way, <laughs> which is a not fun, very spooky joker. I, I think about this occasionally. Like, this is from, <laughs> like I said, 2012, and I'm pretty sure I read it fairly, like, maybe 2014, and I still think about it from time to time. There's also a picture on the top of the article that you can see that has nothing to do with anything. It's just, like, two spoopy <laughs> eyes in the forest that look yeah. like a goat. Not a goat, a pig, maybe. It looks like the nostrils of a horse, but like lit from the inside. <laughs> Jack o' lantern horse. Yeah. Horse o' lantern. <laughs> yeah, I I'm so glad I'm not 16 and planning a camping trip with a bunch of other 16 year olds. I mean, I'm glad for that anyway, because that sounds sounds awful. <laughs> I'm glad to be 30. Well, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> I'm glad to know what I'm doing. and I also wouldn't say that. So I, I know what I'm doing when I'm planning a camping trip. I remember one time I went on a camping trip when I was like 16 and I was the only person who remembered toilet paper. <laughs> so I charged my friends for toilet paper all weekend. I made a pretty penny. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah, I too was the one with the aforementioned Ian. 
Hi, Ian. Second shout out in the episode. Ian. We would go with a friend to, you know, the beach or whatever. And I would be like, bring an extra towel, bring an extra sunscreen, bring an extra this and that for everybody who forgets. <laughs> and I would be the uh, extra stuff person. But I should have definitely charged. That was... You see, you've always got to be on top of your game. How else are you going to get beer money? <laughs> also, the top comment currently from six days ago is, who is the imposter? Is it red? <laughs> God, I'm so tired of Among Us jokes now. Well, do you want your your palate cleanser of an Among Us joke? <laughs> <laughs> Go for it. Ah, <laughs> it's hard to switch gears from telling spooky stories to get back into relationship advice. Um, yeah, no, fuck like... that. Let's not do it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, talk to them. The end. Yeah, just talk. If they don't uh, listen, then to everything you, will be fine. Break up with them. The end. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There we go. That's I, our show. I feel like. All right, this is our last episode. Good job. People. <laughs> peace out we've given you all the advice you need they don't respect you dump them if your relationship age gap is old enough for them to be your parent break up with them never talk about beans <laughs> or soup both of those things <laughs> that's it i think that's job done yeah we can put that on a t-shirt and go home all right you can find me on twitter at morgan underscore slay and you can find our podcast at are the letter you the word serious pod you can also email us your spoopy stories and or video game themed relationship problems at are the letter you the word serious pod at gmail.com. And you can find me on Twitter at at Esme underscore C underscore knows as it knows lots of stuff. Send me your actual real life ghost experiences. Oh, yes. Yes. And on Facebook, you can find us at the letter R slash the letter U serious podcast. But let's just do one week of spooky and then move on. Yeah. Yeah, we're done with... Give us... So set a timer on your phone that's like, send Are You Serious Pod spoopy stories on October 1st, 2021. Assuming that A, we're still doing the podcast then, and bold. B, (laughs) we still have a society then. (laughs) Bold. Both, you know, flip a coin. We'll see what happens. Good fucking luck. (laughs) 